Second service, are you ready for God's word? Yeah, and I want to thank Chuck for that amazing testimony. That was, uh, that, that was really encouraging. Uh, we had an awesome Christmas Eve service. How many of you got to make it Christmas Eve? Wow. It, uh, for those of you who didn't get to make it, we did miss you, but um, we didn't have room for you anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry, but we, we only had one service and it was jam-packed. It was, it was an amazing time with the Lord. Uh, for those of you that didn't make it, I pray you had an amazing time with family and that this uh, holiday season has been uh, just superb and, 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 and just, just warmed your heart. Amen. How many of you have been blessed this Christmas? Have you been blessed? Now, we are going to conclude the sermon series, Light of the World. Now, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. We've talked about the star of Bethlehem. We've talked about uh, him coming to bring light and illuminate our path. And today, I want to I talk to you uh, about a subject that will prepare our hearts for the new year, kind of how Jesus Christ came to make things new. But before we go there, I want to ask you to do something for me. I want to ask you to remember back to the beginning of this year. Do you remember when um, we just come into January, maybe February, you know, maybe your New Year's resolutions were starting to fizzle out and uh, that gym membership was no longer being used. Uh, you know, you, you're back to kind of going back to your old, old ways and doing things the same old way. And, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, you started hearing some news about a certain thing going on in China. And this, this virus and, and how we should maybe start being concerned about it. And, and it was no time at all. By March, and they were talking about it in pretty serious terms, by the end of March we were in total shutdown. And so I want you, I want you to close your eyes. Just, just close your eyes with me for a second. And think back to that first week of shutdown, that second week of shutdown. Do you remember the feeling you felt? I don't know what you were feeling, but I'm pretty sure you started to reorganize and reorder, refocus, and maybe started to reprioritize. What was most important? What did you gain perspective on? What, what things were you like, hey, that doesn't really matter. This really matters. I want, I want to make these changes. Wow, God, I'm, I'm, I'm really hearing now that maybe some things need to change. Do, do you remember that? Now, now, I want you to open your eyes. Is what you learned still being applied today? Or have you found an even new normal from that? And let me ask you this. Is this new normal that you keep hearing about and that you keep experiencing and that everyone keeps insisting on, this new normal, is it okay with you? Is it okay with you? Do you want to bring that new normal into 2021? Now, I'm not here to give you a political message. I'm here to give you a, a, a thought-provoking message about the new year because the new year is an, an important thing. I remember my dad used to say, you know, start the new year off right. He was big.
big about the new year. He's big about Sunday morning. He's big about, you know, starting your day off right, your week off right, your year off right. And when you start a new year, you've got to be intentional, do you not? You've got to be thoughtful and mindful about what am I going to bring in? What attitude am I going to bring in? What thoughts am I going to bring in? What am I going to really, really focus on? Do Do you want 2020 to come into 2021 with you? Now, some folks are saying whether you want it or not, it's coming. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. It's going to be all of those things. Today, I want to challenge you to believe for greater in 21. To not only believe for greater, but to have a perception for it. Have a, an anticipation of it. Amen. To believe that God still wants to do great things. Today's message is entitled, quite simply, New Beginnings. Do you know Jesus Christ came in as the light of the world to give us a new beginning? A brand new beginning. And behold, he makes all things new. The Bible makes you that promise. If you are in Christ, you can have a brand new beginning. A lot of times it's not Christ, it's, it's us. We say, no, Lord, I don't want to let go of that, or I don't believe you can do it. And it takes faith. If you want to experience God, it's going to take faith. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew writer said this. The Hebrew writer said, without faith, you cannot experience God. And so some folks here today are not experiencing God's goodness because God is saying, I want to, I want to show you more, but you're going to have to believe me. And so this message is about believing God for more. I, I finished the New Year's Eve message with that funny story about the guys crashing on the lake. How many of you guys were here to hear that? Once again. And I said, you don't want to go into 2021 doing it in your, in your own strength, having meager results and then getting discouraged or worse, never getting discouraged, just continuing to do the same old dumb thing. You can have better. And God says it's possible. Not only does he say it's possible, it's what he wants to give you. I want you to think about just, just real quickly, I'm gonna give you some examples of new beginnings in the Bible just from the Old Testament. How about Noah? How about Abraham? Some of you are going, whoa, 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 wait a minute, Noah? What, what kind of new beginning? Only recreated the world through a flood. That's a huge new beginning. Amen. You have to start all over with just he and his family. Everyone else was gone. I mean, that's, that's a, a huge new beginning. God, God is a master of new beginnings. How about Abraham when he called him out of his family's home, sent him from his land, from his homeland to a new land where he would experience a brand new beginning? How about Jacob, Noah's grandson? Yes, he, he had some mishaps and he, uh, he betrayed his brother, but because of his brother's wrath and anger, he had to flee. And as he fled, he had to start all over again. How about Joseph, Jacob's son, who was sold into slavery and he had to start a brand new life in a foreign land, in a hostile place with less than ideal circumstances? How about Moses, who was raised as a prince in Egypt, only to be excommunicated and exiled to start new? And after 40 years of a new life, God gave him an even newer start when he said, you are now to shepherd my people, go and confront Pharaoh and let him know that I want my people to be freed. 
How about the people of Israel that, no, that Moses would ultimately lead? See, God is a God of new beginnings. But you might say to yourself, Pastor, how can God be a God of new beginnings when the fact of the matter is God doesn't change? So how can God be about newness when God doesn't change? He's the ultimate example of being static. You couldn't be more wrong. Yes, the truth is that theologically and philosophically, he is the unmoved mover. He is immutable. He never changes. He is the day. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he is also infinite, meaning there is no beginning and there is no end. Of his vastness, you cannot comprehend, meaning there's always a newness for you. Someone said to me once, Pastor, isn't heaven going to be boring? Yeah, it would be boring if I was responsible for planning the cruise. It would be boring because I'd run out of things to do because I am limited, but he is limitless. Every day I've got more to show you. I've got more to, to, to expand in front of you. I can have you explore and you'll never reach the end because that's who God is. That's what God is about. So he's about new beginnings. And every day can be a brand new facet of who he is and how marvelous he is. And so today I want to talk to you about, the, uh, about a chapter in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is a very interesting book. It's a prophetic book. And it was written by the prophet Isaiah, who lived from 739 to 681 BC. So this is quite a bit before Christ. Now Isaiah, we know, prophesied much about Christ, but he prophesied about all sorts of things. We also know that Isaiah lived quite a bit after Moses. To be more specific, he served under King Uzziah, Jothman, Ahaz, Hezekiah, and many believe even under Manasseh. He served not them, but God. Now, now Christian Tradition tells us that it was more than likely Manasseh, the evil king. You say, well, who was Manasseh? He was an evil king. He was an evil king in Judah who did not love the Lord or know the Lord in the way that he should have. Instead, he invented ways to be evil. Now, you've got to be pretty evil if you're like inventing new ways of doing evil. Because Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. But Manasseh found new things to do that were more evil than his predecessors. This is horrible. One of the things that Christian tradition tells us he probably did, and I say probably because this is, uh, again, not conferred in his word, but in tradition, that Manasseh more than likely sawed Isaiah in half. You say, why would he do that? Because when light hits darkness, those that are walking in darkness hate the light. And so they, he got rid of Isaiah, but before he got rid of him, he penned a very interesting chapter that I wanna spend some time on, chapter 43. Now this is what I wanna share with you about 43. Isaiah lives after Israel was led out of bondage from Egypt. He lives after the time in the wilderness. He lives during the time of the kings. So it's interesting, this chapter you'll see speaks back. He prophesies back and forward. You say, but how can you prophesy back 
You can prophesy back when your definition of prophecy is not foretelling, but forthtelling. That means telling the truth, period. Whether it's looking back and telling the truth, telling the truth in the present tense, or telling the truth in the future. Prophets did all three. And so here in this chapter, Isaiah is looking back to the children of Israel and giving us some principles. And when we understand these principles that apply to them, they also apply to us and have a greater significance for us. And so he's going to ask a question, do you not see it? The way you see it is you understand the historical implication in order to understand the what? The future implication for us. When we understand the historical and we understand how it applies to our life, then we can see how it unfolds in our life. And so I want to spend some time talking about Isaiah's prophecy as it pertains to the children of Israel. Now, now read with me. I'm going to start in 43 verse 16. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. What is he talking about? He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses and the armies and the reinforcements together. And they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about that great deliverance that took place at the Red Sea. When Egypt came out to meet them and to destroy them. And so what were they doing at the Red Sea? What was taking place? What was taking place is that God had raised up Moses to do a new thing, right? So watch, Moses had been a prince in Egypt. Then he gets exiled. He becomes a a shepherd for 40 years. God does another new thing and says, now that you've learned how to shepherd sheep, you know how to shepherd people. I'm going to teach. I'm going to lead you to be a shepherd over my people. But first you have to go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh refuses. 10 plagues come upon Egypt. The last plague being the angel of death comes through and judges Egypt for their, Egypt for their evil and for all the hurt that they've caused uh, Israel. And so at the end of that horrific plague, Pharaoh is is at the point of breaking. He says, leave, get out of here. The Bible says, listen to me very, very closely, that that the Israelites would plunder Egypt without ever having to fight them. How do you plunder a nation without having to fight them? God gets involved. And so when they were leaving, they were to ask their slave owners, for things of value and their slave owners just began to heap things of value on them and say, get out, take it all. And so here they are going through the desert with all of these riches, these slaves. Can I tell you, this is something you're gonna have to perceive. You're gonna have to have eyes to see that many times God will take you through a challenging time only so that you'll be ready to receive his blessing when it's time. Let me put it to you this way. How many of you like to hike? How many of you have ever had experience hiking at all? Any hiking at all? Now, my experience is limited, but one thing I've understood very, very quickly is you get, less, you get in less trouble when you first start out at the bottom of the trail. Like, like, I mean, I'm talking, the trail marker says start here. That's where you have the least trouble, right? And if you do get in trouble, you can yell out and there's a ranger, there's someone there that can help you. But the higher you go, come on now, the higher you go, the more perilous, the more, the more 
the opportunity is to fall. How many of you have ever seen I Shouldn't Be Alive, those episodes? No one ever gets hurt at the bottom, at the, at the, at the ranger station. No one. The I Shouldn't Be Alive episodes happen when you're up high and you're, you're, you're in a precarious spot and you slip and you fall or some boulder hits you and you're up high. And you come tumbling down and you land on a perch and you barely get saved. You know what I'm talking about? So some of us want to be on the mountaintop so bad, but you got to know what it's like to travel through the valley so that you can handle the mountaintop. It's how you learn. And God was saying to him, I'm going to teach you how to be faithful to me because I'm going to bless you so much that you're going to be so high if you fall. See, the higher you are, the harder the fall. And so the truth is that some of us want tremendous blessings, but God is saying it's in these times that you prepare yourself to handle the big blessing. Come on, can someone give me an amen? You're going to make me preach for it today, aren't you? I mean, you got to give me an amen and say, Pastor, I want an awesome blessing. I want to be able to receive that sevenfold that Raquel talked about, but in order to receive the sevenfold, you've got to catch the enemy stealing from you. But if you don't have eyes to see him stealing, you don't make a thief repay you seven times, right? Unless you catch the thief. And you gotta have eyes, oh, that's another message. That's another message, but but share, I mean, stay with me on this. So what happens? They come to the sea and they have nowhere to go. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh changes his mind and says, go get them. They're not leaving. I'm, I'm bringing them back. And so he sends out not only his army, but his reinforcements. You know how risky that was? But he goes for broke. Why? Because this, he means business. He goes all out. And there, with nowhere to go, God makes a way. This is what, this, what Isaiah is talking about. I split the sea. I let you walk through on dry land. I created a way where there seemed to be no way. And in the right time, I closed the waters and I buried all of Pharaoh's armies right there in the bottom of the sea. And it was this easy for me. Like if you were to have a candle and you dump it in a bucket of water and it goes out like that, that's how quickly and that's how easy it was nothing for me because I am great and I am awesome and I am God. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Now, how many of you have come to know God like that? Come on, anyone here can give a testimony, say, God has come through for me in my life like that. I was dead and God sought me out. He rescued me. He, he took me out of that sea where I was drowning. He plucked me out. He set my feet upon a rock. He washed me up. I'm only here because of his grace. Can anyone give him praise? Can anyone say I should have been dead? I've been through this. I've been through that. I've been through all of these things that God is saying. If you can perceive that, then you can understand where I'm about to take you. Some are saying I've never been through that. You got to go through the valley if you want to be on the mountaintop. So you say, Pastor, what, what, what do you really want me to grab from this? Well, go with me to verse 18, and this is where it all unfolds. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. 
Do you not perceive it? Highlight that verse. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen. So what does he want us to learn from this? Three simple points. First, let go. Number two, after letting go, look forward. And number three, lean in. But why let go? What's so, what's so important about letting go? I truly believe God is telling the children of Israel the same thing he tells all of us. If you want to move forward, you're going to have to let go of the past. You're going to have to let go of the hurt and the pain and the suffering that you experienced in Egypt. You're going to have to let go of it. You're going to have to be willing to let it remain in the past. But pastor, there's something comforting about the past. No, I get it. See, just the other day, our, our youth uh, department bought a Pac-Man machine with like eight different games. And there's Galaga and there's uh, Pac-Man and Pac-Man Plus and... Uh, Dig Dug and, and then these other games. And, and I grew up playing those. And man, I just love playing them. And so I can be out there and I got the high scores on like four or five of the games. And I'm just playing and playing. And, 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 and there's something comforting about it. Come on. How many of you still have old VHS or have old vinyls or have old A-tracks? Now, A-tracks weren't a good, a good system. <laughs> just kidding. My brother's like, I have an old A-track player. You know, we have these old things. But, but the challenge is this, what do we let go of so that we can make room for the good things that are coming in the future? But they're so comforting and it's nostalgic and it brings back the old memories. Yeah, but if you have nothing but that in your home, you're going to live like a hoarder. And so every once in a while, my wife is like, hey, you've got to let go of that stuff. But, it, but, but, but I like it. She says, then take it. Let's download it into a little uh, a piece of technology called a computer. <laughs> and then you can listen anytime you'd like. But we got to create some space because this is becoming too clutterful. Now, let me put it to you in the way that, that you might relate to in an emotional state. See, 2020 or whatever you've gone through in the past can begin to clutter your life emotionally, but not just clutter, it can begin to affect you in a very detrimental way. Stress affects how you look at things. Fear affects the way you perceive things and the way you move forward. Not only fear, not only stress, but there are things that take place that God is saying, I don't want you bringing that into the promised land. I don't want you bringing that old way of thinking. I don't want you bringing that hurt and relating to me based on a hurt heart. I want you to be healed. What have you gone through that has been traumatic? That has been stressful. Some people call it post-traumatic stress. 
And God is saying, I realize that is very true. It was very real. But there's certain things I need you to let go of and look with fresh eyes. Watch. Watch. He says, let go. Let's read it again. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. One version says, let go of the past. You say, but, but doesn't the Bible say we shouldn't forget? God is saying to forget, but then there's certain times where you're not supposed to forget. Read with me in the book of Deuteronomy. God says over and over, don't forget. So is God having a, 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 some kind of crisis of consistency? No, it's perceiving what he's really saying. Read with me. Take heed to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord, your God, which he made with you. And make for yourselves carved images in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. Don't forget me or you will be tempted to make idols. That's what he said. So don't forget him. That's what he says. Now read with me in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into a land of which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you what large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of goods and things which you did not, uh, you did not buy to fill them with, wells you did not dig, and uh, vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant and tend. That means God is gonna give you so much. Watch that last line. And when you have eaten so much that you are so full after both Thanksgiving and Christmas, you're going to be so full. It's going to be easy to forget. Do you remember what I said? Sometimes God brings you through the valley so that you won't forget in the mountain. Because if you just get the mountaintop, you're going to think it was you. It was, you'll take it for granted. And so God's going to say, blessings, that mountaintop experience is so euphoric and such a high that you will be tempted to forget me. Don't ever forget me, he says. Watch this. Then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. So first he says, forget the former things. Let go of the former things. Then he says, don't forget, don't let go. What's going on? Keep reading with me. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments. It's been said that people can name the 10 ingredients of a Big Mac better than they can name the 10 commandments. That's bad. Think about this. He says it again in chapter eight, verse 14. When your heart is lifted up, you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. He's saying, don't forget. Okay, so, so what are we supposed to remember and what are we supposed to forget? Very simple. Here's what he's saying. Over and over, he says, don't ever forget me and what I did to you, uh, what I did for you, excuse me. Don't ever forget me and what I did for you. That means my promises, this is what you should remember in simple, simple terms. Remember God and who he is and remember who he says you are. Remember God and who he is and remember who he says you are. I'm not saying how you feel. I'm not saying how others see you. I'm not saying what you tell yourself you are. I'm telling you what he says you are. Say, but how do I know what he says? 
You gotta get in your word and read, this is who you are. And when you read, this is who I am, that's what I remember. Why him and you? Because what we're talking about is relationship. He's saying, don't ever forget our relationship. But all the other junk, let it go. All the other junk, let it go. All the other junk, let it go. So what are some things from 2020 that he's saying, let go of, and what are some other things where he has revealed himself to you where he says, don't you ever forget this? Where he has revealed who you are and he has said, this is who you are to me. I love you with an everlasting love. I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. I'm not like the other gods of the foreign nations who are finicky and sometimes the gods are good and sometimes they're bad. They are fake gods. I am always good and I always love you. Oh, but that's not how I feel. That's not what I believe. I've had some bad times. Forget it, he says, forget it. So that you can see me in a fresh new light. Some of you right here are going to have a hard decision to make because you've been through hell. And you know what? When I was preparing for this message, I read what secular psychology and secular uh, articles had to say, and they were all saying basically the same thing. Come to grips with your past, accept your past, understand your past. And God's saying, forget that nonsense. That's why Jesus came to give you a brand new start. Brand new start. Someone says, well, pastor, I need, I need uh, psychology time. Maybe you do. I'm not here to judge that. But I tell you one thing. God did for me what no amount of hours on a couch telling and talking about my past did. He did it in five seconds when he introduced me to Jesus Christ and he changed my heart and I started to weep and understand the love of God that I'd never been able to experience before that. That's what he did for me. And that's what he's saying here. Watch. Leviticus chapter 26, verse 9 and 11. I look favorably upon you, making you fertile and multiplying your people. God is saying, I want to give you blessing. I have good things in store for you where you will you will be able to multiply. Listen, and I will fulfill my covenant with you. You will have such a surplus of crops that you will need to clear out the old grain to make room for the new harvest. Can anyone hear what God is saying when he says, clear out the old, I want you to experience the new. I want you to experience the new. You say, but pastor, There's that tension there between what do I clear out and what do I leave? Leave your relationship with God. Everything else that is not confirmed in this word about him and you, let it go. And for some of us, it's insecurities. You know, it's interesting when you get beat up, anyone ever play sports? When you play sports and you you have a really bad game, that works on your psyche, doesn't it? They say champions are really good at forgetting. A champion can miss every shot that game, but when he takes the game-winning shot, he's forgotten them all and he wants to make that last shot. And you kind of have to be the same way as a child of the Lord. You might have had a bad run. You might have done some things you're not proud of. 
Don't let the devil keep you in yesterday with shame and guilt. Let go of it. Experience God's fullness. This ultimately points to Jesus. Stay with me. He says, let go of some things. Keep, make room for the good. Look forward. Notice, that's number two. Look forward. Watch what he says about the future. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Notice he asks that question. Do you not perceive it? It's been said that perception is, come on, perception is reality. Isn't that what people say? Perception is reality. What you perceive, that's what you will, you will have. So if you're stuck in the past and you're still living in the negativity of the past, you're gonna bring that perception into the future and everything you see is gonna be through those negative lenses, through all of that hurt, through all of that pain, through nothing ever good happens to me. I'm a big screw up, I'm this, I'm that. No, what does God say you are? Perceive it from his side, put his lenses on. See that crystal clear view of how much he loves you and how good he is. And when you start seeing life that way, then that's what he begins to show you. See, that's the thing. So many of us are looking through this bad perception and that's what you have to understand. To look forward, you have to look, let go and understand that he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above, above and beyond whatever you could hope for, imagine, or dream. Watch what he says. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. He said, I don't care how deserted the place is. I don't care how meager it looks. I don't care what you see in your own physical eyes. I need you to perceive with your spiritual heart of truth based on my word. But pastor, that's the problem. There's a tension between having faith and saying, God, I believe you, but what part am I supposed to do? The part you're supposed to do is hold on to who he has said he is and who he says you are and your relationship and how much he loves you. Say, Lord, I know that you love me. And so regardless of what, I know, I know that I know that because you love me, you will care for me. You will care for me. Because you love me, you have forgiven me. When the enemy stops being able to mess with you about past sins, you can have a bright future. Why did God die on the cross if you're still gonna carry the shame and guilt for past sins? Paul says, let that go and experience the grace life, the grace life. So look forward, look forward, perceive it. Perception, and then finally, lean in. So if you look forward and you get excited, why, why should you get excited? Because he just promised you, I'm going to make a way where the, even where you don't see it, I'm going to make a way based on my goodness, like a river or a stream of living water flowing in a deserted place, in a dry wilderness. Amen. Now watch. Moses brings the children of Israel. He says, forget all that. I'm going to show you greater things. I'm gonna feed you, protect you, care for you, love you. I'm gonna be all that you ever will need. Come on, how many of you are ready to experience God that way? Right here, some of you are saying, I don't know, I don't know. That, that just sounds like pie in the sky. Let go! 
I just, I, that's just not me. Let go. Look forward. Believe for something you've never believed for before. Believe him at his word. Have faith. Have faith. Read your Bible and see those great men and women of faith. They, they, they had no reason to believe, but when they stepped forward, the sea split. Things changed in their lives. 2021 can be that way for you. You go, but pastor, be more specific. How? I don't know how God wants to bless you, but it'll be better than you think. I promise you better than you can do in your own strength. And so you look forward with anticipation and you lean in. What do you mean by lean in? Lean in means you trust. I'm ready to go. You ever jumped off of something high? You don't lean back. You never jump if you're leaning back. You gotta lean in, don't you? You lean in to the point that you jump. How about this? You ever hug someone that loves you back? That's not upset with you? When you hug them, how, do they, how does it feel? You ever hug someone that doesn't want to hug? They're stiff as a board. I'm not gonna say any names, but sometimes they sit right up here. Yeah, come here, baby, let me hug you. Oh, you know you did something wrong. But some of us are, are wanting God's blessing, but we're doing like this. Secretly upset with him, still hurt because of past experiences. We don't really give ourselves to him. Lean in. How about when I encourage any fathers in the room, any parents encourage your children to do something like Swing off that rope into the lake or into a, a river. We, we like going to the Frio River and there's this, these, these rope swings there. And I can remember Evelyn, she, she never trusted me, ever. And I would say, come on, baby, let's go. No, she'd be, don't touch me, no, I don't want to. I'll do it in my own time. So she wasted three years not knowing the joy of swinging because she didn't trust. How many years will you learn, will you waste? Some are going, nah. God's saying, come on, lean into me. Lean into me. Listen to what the Bible says. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your understanding, but in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. So he's, the Bible says, don't lean on your understanding, lean on him. Before you leave today, make a commitment to lean on him. Ultimately, we're talking about the new thing that God wants to do with his relationship with you as he takes you to that deeper, higher level of a love relationship between you and Jesus. Okay, I told you he did this thing or the, the uh, chapter 43 was instruction about what happened in the past. But ultimately, as we understood this, it was to perceive what would happen in the future, and that's for us. This is what happened in the future, and this is what Isaiah was pointing to. John 7, 37 through 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow 
rivers of living water. Remember what, what, what Isaiah was saying? In a wilderness, in a desert, I'm gonna bring forth streams. He's speaking spiritually in a world that is dry. In a world like 2020, I can do something amazing. But you've got to perceive it. Not with these eyes, with these eyes. With the eyes of your heart. Get into a relationship with Jesus like never before this year. Let him be that living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, but Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus was speaking prophetically. Isaiah was speaking prophetically. A prophecy fulfilled today in the church through you and me as we get into relationship. Let go of the past, anything that doesn't accentuate your relationship, who he is and who you are. Together, relationship by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm gonna show you one more thing that I found. I didn't prepare for this. I found it first service. Go back to Leviticus. Watch what Leviticus says. I look favorably upon you, making you multiply, making you fertile. I've got good things for you. I got good things for you. Now watch. I need you to make room. Make room for the new. That means you've got to let go of the old. Now watch that last line. I will live among you. In the old, he lived among them in a tabernacle. In the new thing that Isaiah's talking about for you and me, he lives in you. I will live with you, in you. I no longer have the temple that you look at and everybody goes to. Now the temple is in each and every one of you is what the Apostle Paul says. That's what Jesus said. I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you. 2021. Let it be a spirit-filled year. Amen. Let it be a spirit-filled year. I love you, church. I'm going to have you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to, I'm going to ask them to play some music for us. And you might be saying, pastor, I don't, I don't understand exactly how to make it personal in everyday terms. Maybe some of the fear and uncertainty that you're feeling, you need to let go of. How do I do that? Focus on who God is and who he says you are. And then say, Holy Spirit, I'm looking forward with great anticipation and I'm perceiving that you want to do a spiritual thing in our relationship. I can't wait for that, Lord. I do believe that you want to bless my life. I can give you some suggestions, but ultimately, Lord, you're in charge. Amen? How about this? Pastor, I've lost some confidence. But you don't have to tell me. Talk to yourself. I've lost some confidence. I've gotten beat up. I kind of feel a little shaky. I'm not real excited about 2021. Let go of that. I'm going to play some music, and I'm just going to give some ideas. Where is the devil stealing from you? How does he want to get you caught in that, in that past? 
Maybe today the Holy Spirit is saying, today's the day you forgive. I want you to truly forgive. Forgive your brother. Forgive your sister. Forgive your husband. I need you to let go of that. Forgive your wife. Forgive your father. Forgive your mother. Forgive your children, parents. Here's a big one. Forgive yourself. Just spend some time with the Lord. What's the Holy Spirit saying? get rid of some fear let go of that fear oh pastor I'm not scared of anything you're scared to death to have a relationship with Jesus that's what I'm sensing you're scared to death to let go and lean in It'll be better than you think. It'll be better than you think. Bible says that the day he was being betrayed he took these elements and he gave a new covenant a new covenant of relationship with him and he says this body that I'm going to give for you will be broken so that you might have new life this blood this, this, this drink represents my blood that will be shed so that you might have new life. Lord, today we celebrate the newness that you came to give us. In Jesus' name, thank you. Church, have a great, great week.
I love you.